Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We are grateful. Grateful for life. Grateful for your faithfulness. Grateful for your mercy that has kept us and keeping us from day to day. Thank you for your presence during worship this morning. Oh, what a mighty God you are. Lord, we ask, O oh Lord, that even as we listen to your word, that Lord, you open our hearts to receive your word uh, with gratitude. And we receive the grace to be a doer of your word this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, let's open quickly to Joshua chapter 1. Um, sorry, Joshua chapter 24. Uh, that is where I'm getting, taking my text from this morning. Joshua 24, I'll read from verse 1. Uh, we read in, the, in our Bible reading this morning, God said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, He said, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. Uh, no, He didn't say, I will give you. He said, I give you. Uh, God said already, I've given them to you. I'm not thinking about giving them to you. I'm not trying to decide if I'm going to give it to you. Uh, so the title of my message before we read the text is Supply and Demand. And before we read, read the, um, the text, uh, often in, in the natural world, what we talk about is demand and supply. Uh, when there's a demand, then supply comes. Uh, for example, now, uh, you know, in, in, you have to request for something before you get it. But in the kingdom of God, supply is there. Even before you ever knew you're going to have a need. The supply is already there. So it's the other way around. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, so that we can begin to walk in the fullness, in the consciousness of the Father. that we already have everything that we need. And my God shall supply all your need according to your He already supplied. And I, I sent a video out yesterday. I don't know if you watch it. Uh, someone does it in a clip about uh, less than a minute. And was talking, somebody was talking about the fact that we have a lot of theoretical victors in the body of Christ. We have people who have knowledge of the word of God in their head. But they don't have the results in their hands. And so we're moving in this season. It is not all about just... It's not just about the word, only the theoretical part of the word is about the manifestation. We want to see it in our lives. Are you with me? For example, someone keeps telling you something, 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 something. You keep saying, oh, you know, I can do this, I can do that. And you don't see it in their life. What do you say? You ask them, if you know this much, why? You know, you begin, even if you don't come out to ask. And that is one of the reasons why the church is no longer attractive to a lot of people is because they see us coming in week after week. Uh, we, they see us you know, confessing the word. They see us going to Bible study. They see us going to Sunday service. And they cannot see the results in our lives. And so how do we move from just theory, theoretical knowledge, to having the results? To when the results begin to show in our lives. And so we're crossing that this morning. From just having theory to getting to the practical of it. Hallelujah. Amen. And every time we're in that position, there's nothing wrong with God. God is the same. He's constant. I am the Lord. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change it not. So you sons of Jacob are not consumed. I change it not. God said so. Hallelujah. So let's go quickly to Joshua 24. 
from verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to uh, Shechem. And, and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwell on the other side of the river in old times, and they serve other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. And Isaac, I, to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your father with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwell on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you, but I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Sipor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel, and sent and called Balak, the son of Behar, to curse you. But I will not listen to Balak. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I deliver you out of his hand. Verse 11. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. I'll stop there. But you see, I'll, I'll, I'll read on a little bit. What God was just trying to explain here was all these different scenarios. All the different things that he took them through. So for, let me take verse 11 again. Then you went over to Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. And the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gigasites the Evite and the Jebusite, but I delivered them into your hand. I sent the honored before you, we drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorite, but not with your sword or with your bow. You didn't have to fight them. Verse 13, I have given you a land for which you did not labor. That's where we're going. And cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat the vineyard and olive grove which you did not plant. 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. In Jesus' name. So here, God spoke to Joshua. Joshua was just trying to summarize everything that happened from the beginning up until that time. He was just trying to explain to them, hey, hey, guys, you didn't have to do anything. God did everything for you. Hallelujah. If we go quickly to first, I mean, Second Peter chapter 1, I'll read verse 3 and 4. Second Peter chapter 1, I'll read verse 3 and 4. Quickly. Hallelujah. 
Second Peter chapter one verse three and four. He said, as the divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption there is in the world through lust. He has given us everything, the Bible says. And I discovered that there is no shortage in the kingdom of God, only unclaimed promises. There are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. And like I was saying earlier on, the reality of it is what show forth our faith. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 12, it says you are witnesses. It says you are witnesses. We are witnesses. We are the witness of the awesomeness of our God. So we are the one that people want to see. They want to see the reality of the word of God in our lives. The Bible says when they saw the Christians, what did they say? They said these are Christians because they were like little Jesus. They could see. They had the nature of God. They had. They saw the, the reality of their faith even as they went around. God is not committed to deliver on what you refuse to acknowledge exists. I take that again. God is not committed to deliver on what you and I have refused to acknowledge exists. When, they, when we are not walking in the reality of the word of God, God is not committed to deliver on that. It is when we acknowledge that, yes, this is real, we believe this, and we, we walk in that truth, then God is committed to perform it, to release it into our hands. Hallelujah. There must be a switch in our thinking. If we are to maximize the supernatural manifestation of the blessing, there must be a switch. We cannot be using the law. We cannot be mixing law and grace. What happens is that it becomes, I mean, it's like mixing cold water and hot water. What do you have? You have lukewarm water. And lukewarm water, try to drink it. It's not, it's not, it's not sweet in the mouth. It's, it's not something you really want to drink. And God said, because, he said, I wish that you are neither hot or cold. He said, but because you are lukewarm, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. So God doesn't want us to mix the law and the grace. And a lot of the time we mix the law and the grace. We think, okay, now it is my hard work that produces the supply. It is not your hard work that produces supply. Yes, it is dignified. It is, God said we should work. He said if no man work, he should not eat. But at the same time, God is not asking you to toil. There's a difference between working and toiling. Working enhances your potential. Working is an opportunity for you. To enhance your potential. But that doesn't take the place of God in your life. That doesn't place, take the place of God in, you know, God being who God is to you. God is our provider. God is your father. Can you imagine if my children are thinking now how to pay the rent? They are thinking how to pay for, you know, for, for, for the utilities in the house. It is not their responsibility. As a responsible parent, which God is... He knows what you need and He provides those things that you need. The Bible says it's a God who has unlimited resources. So the fact that you are taking, the taking doesn't mean that it's finished. The fact that there are over, you know, six, seven billion people on the face of the earth today doesn't mean that, you know, if everybody's getting from God all at the same time, God will still have more than enough. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1.20, I want to read something to us. 
Hallelujah. So our mind has to be renewed. Amen? You know, I've used this analogy before where you come into a new country, you need to learn how to do things there. Isn't it? I remember when we, when, when we go here, everything was different. We were even joking the other day, you know, I was, you know, when we came for evangelism on Thursday, we were talking about it, that in, in England, for example, where we came from, they don't call bathroom, bathroom. If you say, oh, I want to go to the bathroom, somebody would think in England, you tell the bathroom, they think you're going to have a shower. <laughs> or you want to have a bath. <laughs> they call it loo. They call it, go to the loo. They call it the L-O-O. That's what they call it. But here, we call it bathroom. I'm sure somebody comes visiting from England and, and I say, oh, you know, the, person say, uh, the person will probably say, uh, can I use the toilet or can I use the loo? And if I say toilet, but because I know, assuming I didn't live there, I won't know what they are talking about. You know? I would say, oh, or maybe they ask somebody, especially somebody who is not even, who has no idea, who doesn't know what, you know, a toilet or a loo is. They probably will be confused, like, can you explain what you're trying to look for? So there's a, there's a way. You see, that same way, when we came here, we had to adapt to how Canadians, uh, you know, speak, how they, you know, what they call what. And the same thing, if, you, if I go back to England now, I will have to now begin to retrain myself because I'm going to be speaking because I've lived here long enough. Are you with me? So when you come into the kingdom of God, you need to learn the language of the kingdom. You need to learn how the kingdom operates. But it's so easy because God has given us the manual for the kingdom, which is the word of God. So everything about the operation of the kingdom is right here. In the word. It's in the word. For example, one of the things I had to deal with when I go here was that in England, we're driving on the other side of the road. Here, we're driving on a different side of the road. So now I had to put... My, so every time, for a very long time, when I'm in the car and I'm coming out of... I have to imagine myself <laughs> driving on the side of the road that we drive on here. Because it was complete opposite. Are you with me? Or else if I end up driving, I would be driving you know, in front of an oncoming traffic. And what do you think will happen? And then I will have no excuse because the police will say, well, when you knew you couldn't drive here, why did you put a car on the road? So there is no excuse. The same way in the natural that no excuse is acceptable where you don't do what you should do. The same way in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, in the spiritual, you are going to even get more punished than you're going to do in the natural. Because the price could be, could be generational. That's the consequence of it. That, that's, that's how big it is. Hallelujah. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Quickly. He said, for all the promises of God, in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Every promise of God is for us. And God said, yes. Yes is yours. The first word that God spoke to man was a blessing. And you've been divinely tagged, blessed, and beyond that, to become a distribution channel. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, God told Abraham, He said, In blessing, I will bless you. And not only will I bless you, He said, You will become a blessing to others. You will become a distribution channel to other people. You are not blessed when all you have is just for you alone. No, no, you are not blessed yet. When you are not blessed when your neighbor has a need and you know they have a need and you cannot meet that need. God speak to you to meet that need and you cannot meet that because you are thinking, oh Lord, you know, if I do this now, you're, no, you're not blessed. God spoke something to me recently and he said to me, he said, 
the more you push out, the more will come in. So now I'm looking for opportunity to bless people all the time. Because I pray, pray, I say, Lord, make me a blessing to people. Every day when I wake up, I look for someone to be a blessing to. And that is what God has ordained for every believer. Are you with me this morning? The moment you cross from darkness into light, there is an exchange from death to life. Causes to blessings. Poverty to riches. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, is a new creature. And let me say to you, it's not a recycled old. You know there's a way you recycle things? No. When a man is in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old has died. You are not recycled. Let's, let's understand that. Because the religious mind told, I mean, told us, including myself, many years ago when I got born again, that the only part of me that is renewed is just my spirit. That I'm still the old me. The only thing is I'm a Christian. But no, what, that's not what that scripture means. It means that the spirit of God has come alive. You are a new person. That old one has died. The new you now, the world has never seen before. Because, you see, one of the reasons why the enemy keeps taking us back to the past, back to the past, how we used to live our lives, simply because we still think the old us is still the one, except the fact that we're born again. No. No. You are a brand new person. You need to... I mean, if, if that doesn't set to... So if somebody... That's why somebody will call you name that they used to call you, and you will still respond. It's because the old you is still alive. The old you need to die. Okay, let's go to Colossians. Let me show you that. Colossians chapter 3. Well, I believe what the word says, not what people say. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Colossians chapter 3, I'll read from verse 1. All right. How is that? He said, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. Who died? You died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And what will happen, verse 4? When Christ, who is your life? Who is your life now? Christ is your life. When Christ appears now, what will happen? Then you also will appear with him in glory. So what happened to the old you is dead. The old you is dead. Hallelujah. Is dead. And you see that in the Bible, you see God had to change Abraham to Abraham. God had to change him to the Bible says God witnessed to him, Abraham. Abraham got the heard the gospel. Okay, now you saw what happened to Jacob. Jacob was a supplanter, Jacob was a strictster, and all that and all that. But what happened? When he had an encounter, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Because his name originally was supposed to be a prince. So that was what was in the mind of God. Hallelujah. So quickly, let's go on. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Now, I want us to establish this before we... I don't want to just you know, fly through everything this morning. Uh, I want to 
for you to get it. And I want you, you know, I will encourage us to uh, listen to this again and again so that um, we can get everything that we need to get. Galatians chapter 3. Let's read verse 13 and 14. All right. Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14 said, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, having become a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through faith. Through faith we obtain. Our God is the Alpha and the Omega. He declares the end from the beginning. In Isaiah chapter 46, he said he is the one who declares. 46 verse 10, he declares the end from the beginning. He has predetermined everything about your life even before you were born. Everything about your life. Psalm 139 verse 13 to 18. God decided everything about your life. Before you were born, he predetermined everything about your life. So nothing catches God by surprise. There is nothing going on in your life right now that God is surprised. Oh, I missed that. How did I know that? Hallelujah. So we, we need to understand that God has prepared everything. I mean, if your fridge is full of food, do you go to the grocery store and say you want to go and shop again? Where will you put it? But that's exactly what we're doing. God has supplied everything that we need and we still go around begging. We saw this in the beginning. God created everything even before Adam and Eve were created. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. If you read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, especially Genesis chapter 2, you see God created everything. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, God said, the Bible says, God assessed, evaluated, I mean, examined everything he created and God said it was good. Not the only say it was good, he said it was perfect. It was excellent. It was of the top, most grade that you can give it. And God said, and when he finished doing that in Genesis chapter 2, let's see what God did. God did not create man until he finished creating everything else. Because he knew that man will need the oxygen to breathe. He knew that man will need the plant, you know, to be able to get some of the things he needed. He got everything in place and then he created man. But now what we are doing is our mindset is like, okay, God does not even know what we need. God does not even care about us. God just does whatever he needs. No, no, no. He created everything then he created it. Let's read it quickly so we can um, establish that. Genesis chapter 2. Alright. Okay, now let's go. Verse Okay. Alright, we're not reading where it said let's make man. Okay, let's go to 13. Verse 13. Genesis chapter 2, verse 13. He said, The name of the second river. No, no, no. Okay, no, that's not. Verse 15 now. Genesis 2 15. And look at what God said here. Then the Lord God took man, took the man, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. God created everything, created the resources. I mean, if you look at those rivers, they, re- they represent streams, like streams of income. You shouldn't only have one stream of income. You should only have one channel of blessing. You should have several channels. And one of the reasons why we struggle financially is because a lot of people depend on a job. 
And let me tell you, somebody said the acronym for a job, J-O-B, is just over broke. And that is why when people stop working, <laughs> they stop working for a month, they are in trouble. They stop working for two months. Somebody said a lot of people, Canadians, you know, we're in Canada, that we're only three paychecks away from being homeless. Even Christians. Do you have what you have in your saving now? Can it take you care of you for six months if you're out of a job? And that is why we need the supernatural. Because the natural won't do it. Are you with me? The natural will not do it. There must be a switch. I'm going to preach a series on switch. I'm already working on that. There must be a switch. I'm going to write a book on it. There must be a switch. We can't continue like this. Is it not madness to, to have electricity in your house and then you get to your house and then you refuse to put on the switch that will bring light in and you say, oh, we have no power here. Is that not? If somebody comes into this and says, what happened? Why, is, why are you sitting in the dark? What will you tell them? Oh, there's no power. The person says, well, it's because you are not turned on the switch. How can we be sitting in darkness when we have light? How can we? Hallelujah. God's provision was there even before you knew you would have a need. He took care of your health before sickness came. By his life, ye were healed. He knew the things that will happen to you. Ten years from now, he has already taken care of it. To you, it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. He knew. And he had already made provision for that. The Bible says we are joined here with Christ. What happened? When we have an inheritance, the Bible says we have an inheritance. Okay, what happened to the inheritance? Do we get the inheritance when we die or do we get the inheritance because the person who gave us the inheritance has already died? I mean, as a parent, now, for example, I'm giving, if I'm leaving an inheritance for my children, do I now say they get the inheritance when they die? We get the inheritance when we're still alive. Because the one who gave us the inheritance is dead. Jesus has died. The Bible said, when we read scripture, it says he's seated in heaven. Making intercession for us. So what are we still waiting for? Hallelujah. Many of us have taken the driver's seat of our life. And relegated God to a mere passenger. The way we talk, the way we pray, the way we plan. Reflects that we are the supplier and not God. We plan based on our wages. We dream based on our wages. We speak based on our wages. But you know what? God is not limited by how much money you make. Because it's in the kingdom of God that a janitor can be flying a private jet. In the kingdom of God. Why? Because God will give him a secret. So even though he's going to that, uh, you know, his janitorial work or, you know, uh, as an office clerk or whatever it is, that is not his source. He's going there and he's using all that to just... But there are other streams of income that is coming. 
There are different other areas. If you have only one source of income, there's, a, there's going to be a problem. Sooner or later, there will be a problem. Hallelujah. I want us to know this morning that toiling is not part of the covenant. The natural man thinks in terms of shortage and labor. Oh, I have to work for this. I have to work for that. You know, we had our, our sister's testimony. She was saying, even though I'm on a limited income, but God has always supplied. I needed something, and in my heart, nobody knew. God sent somebody to meet that need. But guess what? Eventually now, God will get her to the point where she will be meeting the need of other people too. That's how it works in the kingdom. It's not that you continue to receive and receive and receive and receive and receive. And that is why I hate the welfare system. Because it has made it impossible for some people even to be creative. I mean, me and my wife, the other day, we were driving down the road and we saw some people. And my wife said, well, it's not there. I mean, you could see that. And it was in Birmingham we were driving. And then we saw, there were still two people. And the way they were going on the street, my wife said, and, and I said, every time I see people like this, my heart breaks. And she said, well, you can't even really blame them. Let's blame the government. I said, how do you mean? She said, because the government gives them money. And that indulged them. Because there's a sense of entitlement. Are you with me? And so they put their faith in that, and they use that, and they get the money, and they use it for things that they're not supposed to use it for. And then you see them on the street, and you're like, oh, this is, uh, it shouldn't be like that. Why am I saying this? You see, if somebody's on welfare, it's just for a while. It's not for, you know, it shouldn't be something that you stay on indefinitely. It should be for a while, you know, and God sentences you. You can't give your way out of that. Are you with me? You can't give your way out of that. We need to believe God. He believes that his provision only comes from labor. You were not designed to provide for yourself, but to trust God's provision. Let's go to Deuteronomy, I mean, sorry, Proverbs 23 verse 4. Proverbs 10, 22 says, The blessing of God that make it rich and does not have painful toiling to it. That's what the Bible says. So toiling is not part of the covenant. Amen? You know, people say, Oh, I can work five jobs. Huh? Where is that written? Is that in scripture that you have to do five jobs, ten jobs, three jobs, four jobs before you can make to have provision? No! It's not so. In the beginning, it was not so. And it shouldn't be so. That doesn't mean be lazy, but come on. A lot of people go to work today, they hate the, work, the job they go to. But they have to go because they, ah, we have to pay bills now. You know, We have to pay bills now. Is that what life is all about? Paying bills. Where you cannot even accommodate being a blessing. Can you imagine God say to you now, so all your salary for this month. How will you react? Ah, well, how will I pay my rent? That will be the first thing that will come to you. Ah, how will I eat? Ah, how will I put, you know, how will I move around? So there are even areas that God cannot take you to simply because you are so limited in your thinking that God is thinking, if I, even if I put this on you now because I want to take you to the next, God is constantly looking for a way to promote you. Constantly looking for a way to make us, you know, to go higher. Hallelujah. But if we are too, you know, this in our, in our heart, then how do we get there? 
What about 33? Hallelujah. This morning, I am not here to harass you, but I'm here to, to shake you out of your doldrum. Let's take it. There's so much opportunity out there. Let's join us sit still. One of the things I believe anointing is upon this house is businesses. People need to begin to start their own businesses. How long will you continue to work for somebody? And they pay you peanuts. And you cannot even go. You cannot even go. You cannot even say, okay, you know what? You go away. Let's say you go on mission field for, for two months or a month. And while you are even there, you are making money. Somebody said something. He said, if when you are sleeping, you are not making money. When you are sleeping. You are not yet there. When the only time you make money is when you are physically engaged. Ah, let's go. It's five o'clock. Let's go. No. No. That must stop. Amen. It has to stop. We have to think out of the box. God has more for us. Proverbs 23 verse 4. Look at what it says here. It says, do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, sees. Labor not. I like the way uh, KJV put it. He said, Labor not to be rich. Labor not to be rich. Your life is more than surviving each month. God is trusting you to be a distribution center. He did not redeem you to be a pauper. He did not redeem you to be sick. He did not redeem you to be broke. He did not redeem you to be addicted. You were redeemed a king to rule and to reign. That's the reality of it. Supply before demand comes. Supply before demand comes. Hallelujah. And I thank God I'm preaching this message because I'm there right now. I am there right now. And I know. You know, God will turn things around for you, and people will look at you and they say, What did you do? Ah, I just switched. <laughs> Switch. And you know what? You cannot be rich in the natural if you are not rich spiritually first. Let me establish that. It's not based on your calculation, it is in your spirit you have to be rich. You must see it in your spirit that no. God has not redeemed me to suffer. God has not redeemed me to toil. God has not redeemed me to labor. Then when there's that switch in your spiritual, in, in, your, in your spirit, guess what happened? God now begins to open your eyes to opportunity around you that you didn't see before. And things will begin to come. Revelation chapter 5 verse 10. Hallelujah. Are we getting something out of this? I want us to leave here today. Go home and get hungry at the devil. And get hungry at yourself. And sit down and say, God, speak to me. There must be a shift. There must be a change in my situation. I cannot continue like this. I have to wait for the next paycheck before I can do things. No. No. I'm not looking forward to the end of the month. I'm believing God. I told my wife, I wrote something down. I said, this is the number I'm trusting and believing God for by Friday of this week. And she said, amen. And amen was anemic. I said, your amen is anemic. <laughs> that means you are not in agreement. But I said, I will show you on Friday that I have this. Because I believe it's coming. It's already set in motion. 
I have it in the spiritual, and so I know physical manifestation will come. And I told her, I said, by next Sunday, I'm going to pay so, so, so amount of tithe. Because I believe that I am having this this week. So what you are handing in the money, God can give to you in one week. So why are you wasting your time? Why are you not taking it? Why are you not taking it from the source? Because from the source, there is abundance from the source. Why? We're still managing our, you know, you're managing sickness. Huh? When Jesus already paid the price for your sickness? It's not your sickness. He paid the price for it. It's not your addiction. He paid the price for it. It's not your dysfunction. He paid the price for it. He went through everything. What a shameful way to die. He did all that for you and I. And then we're still carrying, we're still going around. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because of their unbelief. What is unbelief? Not believing the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 10 in Revelation 5 10 says, And I've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Are you reigning on the earth? Are you reigning on the earth? Ask yourself, Am I reigning? Peter was toiling under the natural, but when the supernatural came, everything changes. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, then 5 to 7. He said, We have toiled all night. He said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, I thy word. At thy word. So everything bows down to the word of God. At thy word. We'll cast the net. And the Bible says, as they cast the, cast the net, what happened? They brought in the same seed that they toiled and they caught nothing. Do you know that until recently when I began to seek the face of God, when we fasted in January, 20, uh, 21-day fasting, and I said, God, show me. I said, Lord, we, start, we just started a ministry. I don't want to depend on this church. Lord, show me. Show me. And God began to open my eyes. There were things I've been doing before that God now began to show me that I can do those things. And from that one thing, now God has been showing me several other things. So I will not be surprised right now. I mean, we prayed over this yesterday with my team. We prayed over a business that we just incorporate, incorporated. And I'm incorporating another business. I, I just started another business again that I'm incorporating. There's another open door that God is giving me that I'm going to incorporate another business. So before the end of the year, who, who knows how many businesses I'm going to have? And I won't be the one running those businesses because I want to focus on the work of God that I'm doing. But guess what? Guess what? There will be so many avenues that God will be bringing resources in that this church will never be the same. That in this church, everybody in this church will have a business. Not one, not two. And I'm committed to that. Because I know I have an imperial anointing on my life. But it took me so long. For almost 11 years in this country, I did nothing. And there were opportunities around me that would have made me into a multimillionaire by now. And so now I am so, I'm so upset in my spirit. But the enemy has just messed up with the wrong guy. But enough is enough. We need to put a line. We need to draw a line and say, no, from today, no. Not anymore. So you need to take time out and ask the Lord. And I thank God that light came. Hallelujah. And that light has come for you also this morning. In the name of Jesus. Many have abandoned their God-given vision due to being provision-minded. Without meaning to, um, without me, 
you know, I'm not trying to be uh, this thing, but there are people who should have been in church this morning who are not here because of provision. Some people have to work, unfortunately, and they are not in church. There are people not able to come to church for months because they have to work. And when you look at how much they are paying them per hour for the work that they're going to do, you, you will just like, what? How do you feel sometimes at the end of the month, two weeks or whatever, when they pay you, you look at your paycheck and you just say, is this all? And then you have to wait for another two weeks to get another one like that. Is that all? Praise the Lord. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So don't be so provision-minded that you forget about the vision of God for your life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. And let me quickly take this uh, because of our time. You live through your giving. Divine partnership is a vital key to operating in the kingdom. God gave of Jesus so we can have life. Your level of giving is directly proportional to your level of supply. Your level of giving is directly proportional to your level of supply. The stingy we operate under a closed heaven as far as supply is concerned. But the generous we have abundance. Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 26 says, There's he that scatters and has more. There's he that holds more than he needs, and yet is tended to poverty. When you keep more than you need, the Bible says poverty. When you keep what belongs to God, God, God says poverty. I didn't write it. It's the Bible, the Word of God. Hallelujah. Everyone that has experienced the supernatural in the Bible, they did so through their giving. For example, let's see Peter. Peter gave his boat. Didn't he? In Luke chapter 5, he gave his boat to Jesus. And Jesus used the boat and then what happened? It was after Jesus finished, Jesus said, Oh, young man, cast your net. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Philippian church, in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 to 19, the Philippian church gave to Paul and Paul prayed that prayer for them. He said, oh my God, he said, when I left my you were the only church that gave to me. And he said, oh my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The widow gave Elijah her last meal. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7 to 16, she gave her last meal to Elijah. And the Bible says, she had more than enough food. All true. Solomon gave a thousand bond offering to God in First Kings, First Kings chapter three, verse three to five. And God gave Solomon a blank check. Everyone who had experienced supernatural supply, they gave. So when we are saying give your tithe, you are not doing the church a favor. In fact, as a matter of fact, church is not poor. That church will receive donation. So when you give your giving, don't call it donation. Because when you call it, that's exactly what it will become. I'm not giving a donation. I am giving to honor God. And your tithe is not a giving. Your tithe is back to God. What belongs to God. You know, God gave you. He asked for. He said, that 10% is mine. Set it aside. Now, how you give to God is what you do on top of that. 
So if I were you, if I give 10% to God, I will set aside another 10% for my offerings. The 10% you give to God, which is the time, protect the remaining 90. What bring increase into your life is your offering. So get it straight. I'm going to teach on that after a while. We're supposed to do that this month, but God changed everything. We're supposed to talk on generosity as a platform for, the, for dominion. But you know, God changed it to talk about the supernatural. And, you know, and that's why we're doing that this, this, this month. So let's get that right. So set aside the same amount that you put for if if you can do it. If you cannot do it, start with 5%. But make sure that you give your offering. Because sometimes you see, we give tithe and we don't give offering. We think when we give our tithe, we've already given. No, you have not given. You've only returned what belongs to God. Your offering is the main issue here. What you do with the remaining 90 is the main issue here. Hallelujah. Above and beyond your tithe. Do. There are people who pay 20% tithe. There are people who pay 30% tithe. But at least let's start from that 10. At least some of us, we are still at the level of 10. Let's start from that 10. And do it faithfully. God spoke something to us uh, recently when we were in a a Bible study in Surrey here. And God said to us, He said, if only some of you understand what the enemy is keeping away from you by not being faithful in your time. He said, some of you, you have missed on businesses, companies. I have seen people give company to people, give it to them for free. Say, you know what? I'm tired of running this thing. Just take it. Some of us, where we are working right now, God has already, is that God has taken over that place for you. They will have handed over the business to you and said, take the company. But because you are not even faithful in your $100, your $200, your $250, God said, ah, no, if I give you this one and you are making $250,000 a month, you won't give me. If you cannot give me $250, I don't think you'll give me $2,500. The ball is in our court. If you want to live your life within the realm of the natural, then you don't have to practice generosity. But don't expect anyone to give to you either. Anyone who receives, when God sends people to bless you, is because you have also sown seed before. If you are never a sower, you are never, some, you are never qualified to receive. Let's get that straight. I'm telling you. Because God will not even put you in anybody's mind to bless you. Even if they have money falling off their body like this. Have you not experienced it before? That you go to some people and say, they say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And you're like, ah, this is money I'm seeing here and I know you are. Because God has not put them, put you in their heart to help you. Why? Have you sown to? Are you a giver? Or are you stingy? Yeah. And lastly, it is time to enter into God's rest. This is a season of taking in the harvest. It is the year of doing and not just talking. Talk is cheap, but doing is the real deal. The supernatural brings heaven to the earth. God is calling you into his rest. He's calling us into his rest. We need to rest. Do you know why? I will close here. When you are walking, God is resting. And when you are resting, God will walk on your behalf. And before we want to walk, and so God is saying, ah, yeah, I'll take a back seat. When you are tired, let me know. 
I'll take a boxing. When I die, let me know. I was sharing with somebody yesterday. What I'm doing, the business I'm doing, I don't chase anybody. You come to me. Because I know who I am. Amen? I confess, I believe, I declare. That's all I have to do. And then I position myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's amazing how God can just cause a shift like that. But there must be a shift in our heart. There must be a shift in our lives. It is time to enter into God's way. Do you know when you are in God's way? Doesn't mean that you sometimes it doesn't even mean that you have you know everything, everything, everything set. But you are in, you are at rest because you know. Past one thing I've discovered now is that every need I have, ma'am, God supplied as I need it. I don't have to beg and plead and scream and yell and ah God, hey, do it, do it. No. I just take it. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter nine, verse uh, chapter four, verse nine to ten to eleven. My wife read that this morning. God is calling you to His rest. The Sabbath is not just a day set aside to seek God, like today, but it is a confirmation of what Jesus has done for us. In 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 John nineteen, Jesus verse thirty, Jesus said, "It is finished." The Bible says, Let, "Let's read that in close, and then I will pray quickly." Hallelujah! Just give me. Um, please, two more minutes, and I'll be I'll be done. I, I need I needed to finish this message. It, it, this is we need. If there's nothing, if you don't hear anything else this month, please go and listen to this again. It's important. It will bless you, and I know that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you, speak to your heart, uh, even as we um, as you you know replay this in the name of Jesus. Enough of toiling, just running around. People are doing two jobs, three jobs. They don't even have time for, to enjoy the money. How much is even the money that is coming at the end of the month? At the end of the month, they are depressed. At the end of the two weeks, you know, by weekly pay check, they are depressed because they look at how much they made running around, working 60 hours a week. They can't even see. It's nothing. They pay the rent and then they get depressed. They pay their cell phone bill and they, they get more depressed. And they pay the utility bill and then they get more depressed. And then they can't even afford to even go and eat out and, and spend $20 on themselves. They say, I can't afford it. They are working. Two jobs, three jobs, and they still can't afford it. Is that the life? They want to continue to live? There must be a difference. There must be a difference. Hallelujah. John, let's read John 19 quickly and then we'll, 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 we'll pray. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 19, I'll read 18 to um, 28 to 30. John 19, let's see what Jesus Christ did here and I'll, I'll submit my, I'll rest my case here. 28, look at what he said. He said, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, <laughs> said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on, on ice up and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And by his head, he gave up the ghost. But I want us to focus on that verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I trust. Everything is ready. The table has been set. 
Are you ready? Everything is ready. That's where I submit. Rest my case this morning. Our redemption is a total package. God did not leave out some things and give something. He gave everything. Everything. Let's talk to the Lord this morning. Let's bow our heads and begin to talk to God. It's not just salvation, but healing, prosperity, breakthrough, promotion. Everything is ready. Why don't you talk to the Lord quickly this morning and just say, Lord, I enter into your rest. I receive my supply. I enter into your rest today. I receive my supply. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. I enter into your rest today and I receive my supply. Ask the Lord for divine ideas. Ask the Lord to open your eyes and open your eye to ideas. In the name of Jesus, multiple streams of income, blessings on every side. Open door, elevation. Oh, elevation in your career. God making a way for you in your career. God opening doors for you in your business. God opening your eyes to see opportunities around you. In the name of Jesus, and my God shall supply. In the name of Jesus, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things and being right. And every other thing shall be added. Ask the Lord today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as I seek you, Lord, thank you for addition. Thank you for addition. Thank you for addition. Thank you for addition. As I seek you, oh Lord, thank you for addition. I'm not running after what people don't know God are running after because my God knows what I need and he has supplied all my need ahead of when I know I have a need. I want to thank you because my need for health is met. I want to thank you for my need, oh Lord, for finance, for prosperity is met. I want to thank you for my need for increase is met. I want to thank you for my need for breakthrough is met. I want to thank you because my need, oh Lord, my God, for advancement is met. I want to thank you for my need for wisdom, oh Lord, how to raise my children is met. I want to thank you because, Lord, my need, oh Lord, for anything I need to do, I know how to do all things. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says you have the anointing from the only one and you know all things. So, Lord, I thank you because I know all things. I am not confused. I have clarity, clarity of purpose, clarity of mind. In the name of Jesus, I take hold of everything that belongs to me. I receive my total package today. I receive my total package today. In the name of Jesus. Anywhere the enemy has been taking advantage of me, I close door. I close that door today. I close the door that the enemy has been taking advantage of me from. In the name of Jesus, I cover a seal it up with the blood of Jesus. I thank you, O Lord. I give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We're going to do something. It's a prophetic answer. So you're going to get off your seat quickly. And you're going to stretch your, forth your two hands. Uh, the Lord asked me to do this and he just reminded me now. You're going to stretch for your two hands. The Bible says, Jesus, we read that John chapter 19. Now, when he got to that point, he knew that all things were already accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled. So you stretch for your two hands. We're gonna, you're going to imagine yourself receiving a check. The Lord told me this one. He said, do you know that I've given every one of you a blank check and I've signed it with the blood of Jesus? He said, when Jesus died on the cross, I signed that check with his blood. The only thing, your check will not be honored. There's no signature on it. He said, I have put the, the signature of Jesus 
on that check. So now I want you to imagine yourself receiving that from the Lord this morning. Receiving the finished work of Jesus on the cross this morning. Receiving your own blank check. Begin to say, Lord, I receive it. Lord, I take it in the name of Jesus. And do not only receive it, I cash it in the name of Jesus. I deposit this check. It is mine. And I pray from today, everything, oh Lord, that the Lord has provided for. Lord, thank you for a supernatural manifestation. Lord, we give you praise. We take it. We take it this morning. We give you praise for it. Let's go ahead and rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice that someone just gave you a check for $500 million. Go ahead and rejoice that someone gave you a check for a billion dollars. Go ahead and rejoice this morning. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.